Hey, welcome back to Point Blank. This is John Carcosa joining us this week from a special East Coast locale. Mo Youssef. Looking more and more like Grizzly, Grizzly Adams every day. Todd Sullivan. His freshie from a few weeks ago starting to grow in. Mike Zapsick. And holding it all together, the man, the myth, Ming Chen. The Ming Chen. That's him. What else? All right. Now, uh, listen, before we before we get started here, um, Mo, I don't know how you do it. It's it's weekend. It's it's week out. Two weeks ago, just two episodes ago, you were wearing a Tampa Bay Buccaneer jersey. Probably, no doubt, uh, in honor of them having recently signed uh, or traded for uh, or signed the great Tom Brady. Uh, and you made a prediction then. Sure you, did. You said a certain young man was going to check himself out of the, uh, the the mental health facility he was in for concussions and that Rob Gronkowski was not going to play the role of Adam Smasher in Black Adam. He was going to also go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, Mo, were you ever right? How did you know, buddy? What did you see? Man, you know, it was about – well, the thing about Rob Gronkowski, he defies all logic, you know, because he's literally the only Patriot who's likable, you know, by everybody. Good point, right? good point. So uh, Rob has actually taken a year off the NFL. He had multiple offers. Everybody wanted the guy. He just wanted to go party. You know, it was evident he never wanted to play for Belichick again. Uh, he's He's got a ton of money. He's worth like $70 million. Uh, never needs to play again, but uh, he's you know, he'll only tech. right. <laughs> Just won a championship belt, you know. So he's he's doing really really well for himself. So uh, you know he's gonna make some tax free bucks. He's gonna, um, you know, no pun intended. Yeah, he's gonna you know down in uh, in Florida, and he gets to play with the only quarterback he wants to play with. You know, and so now they went from being. You know, a team that's going to be middle of the road to everybody's calling it, you know, Tom Brady's eighth championship. Well, now, so uh, we, we we all saw this coming. We all saw this coming. It was a matter of time that, uh, you know, Rob just wanted to change the scenery. He couldn't get that until Brady left. Was it to your point, Carlos, saying that he's a WWE 24-7 champion? But I want yep. to key in on a comment here from Joe Goulart. He's saying Kraft is actually a silent partner of the Bucks. So I have to ask. Uh, was Is that impossible? Was the rub and tug where uh, uh, Robert Kraft was busted? Was that in Tampa, Florida? Is that is that maybe he was doing some research down there? I don't know. No, I thought it was like Holly. It was it was definitely a different town. I think it was a okay. town that, that Kraft could have bought. You know, he's uh, he's got a lot of money. Uh, we got we 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 see uh, Bob Corbeil, the Tampa Bay Patineers. Uh We've seen a, a few takes on the new logo they're going to be sporting, um, but it does come back to this. Pat Kawula is saying, why are our introductions always the hardest part? All right. Normally at this part of the program, we get into breaking news. But we're going to we're gonna break the format tonight. We're going to skip breaking news because we have an action-packed program filled with lots and lots and lots of great stuff. So the uh, the, the first thing I want to get to right off the bat is the craft beer that we're drinking. So, Todd, why don't you start us off? Happy to do so, my friend. I've got something from uh, the great state of Michigan. This is from Williamston, Michigan, Old Nation Brewing Company. And they make a beer that I believe is my father-in-law's favorite. It's an IPA called M43, New, in, uh, New England IPA. And uh, that one is it's fantastic. It's an excellent IPA. This one 
is I've never had before. It's a double IPA by the name of Boss Tweed. Ooh, I like that. Oh, oh hold on. There you go. Zoom in on that. So that's uh, 9.3% ABV. And uh, we're loaded up with Pills, Wheat, Oat, and Vienna Malts. We've got Magnum, Simcoe, Citra, and Mosaic Boil Hops. And Simcoe, Citra, Mosaic, and Azaka Dry Hops. All going on in there. It is uh, it is a tasty brew. They make an excellent IPA, these guys. Listen, I always appreciate it. How many Hall reference. You said they're out of Michigan. Where in Michigan are these guys? It's... Uh, Williamston, Williamston, Michigan. Don't know it. Okay. Uh, sounds, like, <laughs> sounds like a road trip. Um, uh, Ming, are, are you able to drink any beer today? What do you got there? I am. I have uh, the amazing Bissell Brothers Lager, Lager Beer. Oh, yeah. I uh, almost grabbed the same one tonight. That's crazy. I did yeah. it. Uh, brewed near the bay at Thompson's Point. This is the old-time Bissell's formula. Um, beyond that, I'm, I'm sure you could tell me more about this. Than, uh, uh, this was a courtesy of you. And uh, this uh, this is the last beer of the four that you gave me a couple weeks ago. Uh, we got to reload you then for yeah, sure. I got to stop by, do a drive by by the, uh, the the Ross compound and get more beer. Well, Bistol Brothers up in uh, Portland, Maine, you know they're they're known primarily for their ales, their IPA specifically, their hazy New England IPA specifically. But um, they went they went in a different direction on this beer. This is uh, their first, or at least my first experience with them attempting a lager. I thought it was great last time I had it, but you put me in the mood. I'm definitely going to have that next week for myself. Got a very colorful can here. Yeah. So this is good old Checkpoint Charlie. Okay, and Checkpoint Charlie is is just clocking in at only three percent from Newberg Brewing Company, Newberg in uh, upstate New York, right above Westchester. It's a Berliner Weiss, so it's a German style sour, and. Um, it's been quite delicious, quite effervescent, and and I'm finally starting to learn my lesson on this show. Forty six episodes in, <laughs> maybe don't start with the fifteen percent beers. So uh, I'll start with you're already failing. Calm, three percent sour, <laughs> not bad. And there we go. What do you got there, Mo? We've got some San Pellegrino Limonada. Goes down nice and smooth. Okay, well, listen, that's 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 really good. I bet. Um, you have a, a whole plethora of flavors there. And Mike is going with? The Polar Bitter Lemon. I decided bitter lemon. I was listening to Hal Holbrook. He was um, I, he was on the West Wing uh, when I was binging it the other week. And he wanted a Schweppes Bitter Lemon. Wow. And for the life of me, couldn't find it. I'm like, I want some Schweppes Bitter Lemon. And, I mean, I'm not afraid to go to the stores. I'm not afraid to face... The virus for my bitter lemon, but all they could find was polar. All right, but you're still Johnny, breaking right. news. I don't know if you just saw uh, Gio Setti joining us for the first time, and in, in, in I think six episodes. Good to uh, have you back, it, George. It's been months since George. Oh, was here sometimes and he's gotta. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, Mike. Not all the time, but he is back. Uh, we see we've got Matt Miller in the house. PJ Window. He wants to know if he's gonna have to put the helmet on later. Get it chug in. Uh, you know what? That's a good idea, PJ. I probably should be chugging the three percenter, but uh, I'm building up to a bigger one later. Uh, Nick Franco uh, was mentioning the uh, the episode of of American Loser with our our good our good friend uh, KP Burke. I actually spoke to KP today. KP a little bit under the weather still, uh, not ready to get back to work with the Ross team just yet. Not obviously can't get to the comedy uh, sessions just yet, and probably not going to be recording a podcast for a little bit of a while because he lost his voice. But in any event, 
Let's move on to the next thing I want to talk about, which we're going to get right into the games first. Todd, you're up. Let's get another version of Upon Further Review. Please review the rules. We always have new viewers each and new listeners each episode. Tell us how it works. All right, let's do it. I'm, uh, of course, um, fulfilling my Mo Destiny, having more AV problems over here. Um, but I'll, we'll work that out as we go. Not a problem. Hold on. Uh, let me just try and turn up my uh, audio right here. So, yeah, so let's do it. Uh, upon further review, jumping right in. So the, the, the rules on this one, uh, hopefully, you know, we've got some, some returning listeners who are uh, happy to play along at home. The, uh, what we're going to do here is I'm going to read off a series of uh, quotes uh, from movie reviews. And these are all from the god himself, uh, Roger Ebert, uh, as we've featured many times before. And uh, I'll read off a quote from a movie. And these are generally movies that Roger did not like that much. And what we're going to do is I'll read it off and then I'll give you three uh, choices. As I'm reading it, though, if you want to jump in and make a call as to what movie you think it is, you, if you get that right, that's three points. Then I'll give you three choices on a multiple choice. And that's, a big uh, bonus. That right, that's one point. You may change your mind from your previous guess to the, the multiple choice guess, but uh, you won't get the bonus points if you do that, Yeah, even if you were right. So... There you go. And uh, always remember, you are competing with one another. Subterfuge is allowed and encouraged. Uh, <laughs> if you want to try and mess with each other, I'm more than... Uh, no, it's I'm, big. I'm, I'm down with that. Right. And before, um, we begin, Todd, before we begin, can we modify it slightly? If Mo gets the bonus points, can we call it a monus, please? <laughs> Happily. You know, I'm, I'm always good for a, a Mo-based pun. Okay. Only if the review was about Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, okay. All right. Go ahead, Todd. Hit it off. All right. Let's start us off. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna just tease the fact that these are gonna these are some Jason Statham movies. I've got a couple little mini themes in here. This one is uh, you'll see the choices are related to Jason Statham. So with that in in mind, some of the acting is better than the film deserves. Make that all of the acting. Actually, the film stock itself is better than the film deserves. You know when sometimes a film catches fire inside a projector? If that happened with this one, I suspect the audience might cheer. Uh, I'm going to say Crank. Damn it. That was between Crank and the Transporter. I I, I mean, I those are only two Jason Statham. I mean, besides Fast and the Furious. Um, um, I, I'm, unless uh, we count like Transporter 2 or 3 or... <laughs> And there was a crank too, even though you wouldn't think so at the end of crank. I mean, then again, there was I don't know, was he alive for the mechanic? That was pretty abysmal. Um he's got a he's got a very Liam Neeson-esque run of these movies that are all like kind of similarly named, kind of yeah. similarly themed, and he made like two or three of each of them. It's it's crazy. Anyway. All right, I'll go transported too. Carl Carlos is giving us a, a suggestion here. It's the Meg. Uh, while it would fit the description, I think it came out about 10 years after Roger Ebert died. So we're not going to count that one. Always, always something to keep in mind. I have tried to vet that all of my choices are during the lifespan of Roger Ebert, who famously continued reviewing pretty much right until he was uh, until he was done. Yeah, I'll guess the first transporter then. All right. Yeah, me too. And do we get Mike? I'm going transporter as well. I thought we were getting multiple choices, but all right. Uh, yeah, you were you were throwing out any preview guesses, but the multiple choices are, and I have it right in front of me. Number one on the list is the transporter. Number two, revolver. 2005's revolver. Ah. Number three, 
The Expendables. Oh. Oh, that's so uh, not Crank. <laughs> wow. And I wouldn't have. It's not The Expendables. I can't remember any good acting in The Transporter, but all three of you have already picked it. Uh, so I have to go against the grain. I am going to say The Expendables. Maybe Dolph Lundgren was the better acting they were talking about. Yeah. Does anyone want to change their guess? No. Knight well, seems to think it's Revolver. It is Guy Ritchie's Revolver. Oh, zero points. What? Wow. Did Mo just flip his wig? What just happened? Wow. He, he was so mad he lost all his hair. Lost all his hair on that one. All Daddy right. Mobux. Wow. <laughs> Not cool. <laughs> All right, the, the board is still free. Here we go, number two. This is an old idea, beautifully expressed by Wordsworth, who said, heaven lies about us in our infancy. If I could quote the whole poem instead of completing this review, believe me, we'd all be happier, but I press on. So making a joke there about infancy, the choices are, oh, as a tip, but... Mm -hmm. not, a lot, not a lot to go with on that one, but... Feel free to shout one out if you got it. Otherwise, I'll give you the choices. I'll take the choices. Look who's talking. Baby geniuses or baby's day out? <laughs> I got to go with baby geniuses. Baby geniuses. Oh, my God. That was yeah. awful. Was, oof. Try baby's day out. But it could be either anyone. I'll go with zero percent of them. I don't remember much about it after having well, seen Which was your favorite of the three? <laughs> All three equally good. <laughs> Johnny, did you say one there? I went with Look Who's Talking. Look Who's Talking is incorrect. It's Baby Geniuses. Oh, wow. Baby nice, Jesus. Nice. Comic book Mike on the board. All right, here we go. This movie is like taking a bus trip with someone who has needed a bath for a long time. It's not merely bad, it's unpleasant in a hostile way. Oh, man. Wow. So where are we off Jason Statham? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't remember him being in Baby Genius. He was great in Baby yeah. Genius. <laughs> I mean, maybe he voiced one of the babies. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I didn't see that one. The only bus movies I know are Speed, so let's throw out Speed. All right, any other guesses? I'll give you some choices. Um, can you do me a favor? Ah! Just before you give us the choices, please mm. just play it back again. Yeah, you'll you'll notice Mike taking the uh, or missing Roger Ebert's use of metaphor here, or simile, I should say. This movie is like taking a bus trip with someone who has needed a bath for a long time. It's not merely bad. It's unpleasant in a hostile way. He's not giving us a lot to work. He's just savaging the movie. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what he's doing. Sounds like one of the earnest movies. Ordinarily, at this point, I would say Armageddon, but we already used that last time. That's true. I'll give you, I'll, I will say that two of the movies on my list, and maybe it's informed by that, uh, even though I prepared this before last week, two of the movies on this list were mentioned in our podcast last week. Wow. All right, that's a major clue. Battlefield. Did we mention five more seconds. Battleground Earth. Battlefield Earth. Travolta. So the first on the list is Battlefield Earth. Oh. The second okay. on the list is Highlander Two: The Quickening. Oh, oh shit. Oh, third, 
The oh. third on the list, the Kentucky Fried Movie. No, it can't be Kentucky Fried Movie. That was great. That's a great movie. I love Kentucky Fried Movie. Although Kentucky Fried Movie, yeah, we did mention that. Yeah. Mm. And we mentioned Highlander. We did. So I'll go Ooh. with that one. I'll go with the Highlander mm. too. No, I thought that I, was pure garbage. I actually thought when he was saying the like the worst movie, and I said, "Is it Armageddon?" And then I went back to Battlefield Earth and stay with Armageddon. But in any event, given that it was on the list, I'm going to keep it. I yeah, I'm going to go with Battlefield Earth as well. Which oh man. Were there buses in that movie? I'm gonna go with uh, Mo and Highlander too because I think there were buses in that. <laughs> I'll tell you what else was in it: the planet Zeist. But that's okay. We got we got Nick Franco jumping in with Highlander two, the sickening. <laughs> <laughs> Always go with uh, with Nick Franco, except for now. This is the Battlefield Earth. Yeah! <laughs> Johnny jumping into the lead with three. Yeah, the points. goose egg, man. And uh, Ming, you had that one as well, right? So that's, I did. I did. Yeah, how, okay. do you, how dare you disparage Kentucky Fried Movie like that? Yeah, that I is. I try to think that one in as something that he might find unpleasant in a hostile way, but uh, yeah, it did is. Did you a, happen you know, to see the was a classic that he had after his uh, stuff going on? That was unpleasant in a hostile Ooh. way. Oh yeah. There you go, Ross Glass. Oh yeah. Nice glass there, Todd. Go ahead. Thank you. Classy. All right, here we go. Uh, number, what are we at here? Number one, two, three, four. Going to see this movie at the Palais of the Cannes Film, Fester, Film Festival is like attending a satanic ritual in St. Peter's Basilica. Oh. It was the festival's closing film, coming at the end like horses in a parade, perhaps for the same reason. Savage. Reminds me of the running of the horses at the Palio in Siena, but that's not what he's talking about. Um, I'll give you a clue. We got we have three. You know, I guess you can qualify these as, or classify these as blockbusters that ended apparently the uh, Cannes Film Festival. Blockbusters at Cannes. It's pretty wide open on a guess there, so let me know if you want me to. Hmm. Blockbuster. They mentioned Hell, so I was thinking Little Nicky, but. <laughs> I don't think that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I submitted. <laughs> it, it might have not been in competition. That right, right. Not, but, all right, I, I don't. I can't hazard a guess. I don't know. All right, your three choices are Waterworld, Godzilla, and Twilight. Wow! Neither. Wow! None of those deserve to play. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. A closing film, no less. What was the first one? Uh, Waterworld. Water World. I was just reading about Waterworld, so I'm going to go with Waterworld. I am going to guess Godzilla. No earthly reason any of those movies should have been a can. I'm going to guess Godzilla. Yeah. There's what was the third one? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm... What was the middle one again? It was uh, I, I, the third one was. Uh, I think Twilight. Twilight. Twilight right? Waterworld, Waterworld, Godzilla, and Twilight. He said it's something about... Carlos, Stu Greenberg, Bob Corbell, all Waterworld. Nick Franco, Pac Will, it's the runaway choice. Susie Coco, pre oh, I don't know. If you're, if you're polling the... If you're taking the old... Uh... Nick Franco saying eyes wide shut. Yeah, if we're... Yeah. Uh, what is well, it? All right, we'll go... Uh... 
ask the audience a, uh, a you know yeah. lifeline. Yeah, exactly. Um, is it the Godzilla that? Hold on, if it if it helps you, Geo Seti says, "Is that Mo?" Okay, thank you, George. Wow. Is it the Godzilla starring uh, my good friend Matthew Broderick and former point blank guest Jean Reno? We've uh, we've Godzilla? met him. We 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 messed with him. We were drunk in the process. Uh, yes, 1998's Godzilla. Gonna, I'm gonna go with that one. So I'm gonna follow me. Uh, and then do we have no yeah, Ming said we got Waterworld. We, I think yeah, I got Ming, Godzilla. Uh, Mo, you said Waterworld? Yeah. yeah. Two waters. Oh, it better not be Twilight then. Well, I'll be upset with the uh, the audience. The uh, audience ran away with this one, pulling, uh, picking Water Will. They're all incorrect. It is 1998's Godzilla. Freaking <laughs> out! Hey, why? That would have been impossible to guess from that quote. There's nothing there. This yeah. feels like the Star Wars quiz that was taken earlier today. I guess they bought their way into the closing ceremonies of the Cannes Film Festival. It's so crazy. Kind of crazy. Matthew Broderick. Right, quick, very, uh, that movie. I could see it. Two quick, very niche, uh, celebrity-related choices here, or, uh, questions here. First up, what about the story here? It has to be seen to be believed, something I do not advise. There's all kinds of murky plot debris involving nasal spray with cocaine in it, Ghosts from the past, bizarre sex, and lots of nudity. We are asked to believe that Madonna lives on a luxury boat where she parades in front of the windows naked at all hours, yet somehow doesn't attract a crowd, not even of appreciative lobstermen. Okay, so this one at least is giving us something to work with. Yes, other than it's a it's a really bad movie. There's a, there's a clue in there. It's not uh, seeking Susan. That was actually... I thought that was good. That was well yeah. done. It's, when, when did when did Ebert die? Uh, 2014 or 12, something like that. Oh, wow. Okay, okay, okay. It's not Dick Tracy. I think I know what it is. Can you just do me one, one thing, please? Please just read it back one more time. What about the story here? It has to be seen to be believed, something I do not advise. There's all kinds of murky plot debris involving nasal spray with cocaine in it. Ghosts from the past, bizarre sex, and lots of nudity. We're asked to believe that Madonna lives on a luxury boat where she parades in front of the windows naked at all hours. It somehow doesn't attract a crowd, not even of appreciative lobstermen. I think I know the movie, and I'm trying to remember the name. Is the truth or dare? Is it Body of Lies? Body of Evidence. Body of Evidence. That's the one I'm thinking. Uh, Is it Swept Away? No. Body of Evidence or Shanghai Surprise? Body of evidence. It is body of evidence. Wow, I forgot about Shanghai Surprise. I, uh, I'll, I'm, I'm gonna guess Shanghai Surprise. Just, uh, man, you're not obligated. I know. I will guess Shanghai Surprise though. Gonna go with the BOE. Pat Kalula says <laughs> swept away. Geo says, I thought the Mo panelized. All right, never mind. Okay, he's still. <laughs> Gio says, nothing, uh, nothing helpful. <laughs> nothing right. I thought the Mo panelized picture was a fixed prop, but he really did. Looks great, Mo. Geez, if I did it, I'd look abnormal, and I have very little hair left to reverse hedge. That's why I don't know how to break it to you, George. You're 98% there already. <laughs> you wouldn't look that different. 
the uh, the Seinfeld storyline. One of Elaine's boyfriends was a, he was a swimmer, so he shaved his head, and then eventually he she's like, oh, she sees a picture of him with a full head of hair. She's like, I could be dating this hair, so he grows it back in and realizes that he's bald, and then he gets all upset that he's bald. There you go. And he goes to George for uh, for help. Yeah. That's right. Okay, I need a uh, <clears throat> I need a, a ruling on the scoring on this one, but the correct answer is. 1993's Body of Evidence. Oh, nice. Now we did have a handful of of uh, spoilers in the in the comments. I know John and Mike, I believe, said this one in advance. Yeah. Are we giving you the bonus points on that? What do you what what's the what's the verdict? I'd be I'd be honored to share the points with Mike. <laughs> All right, let's do that. I, seeing as how you're ahead by 800 points, I'd be honored to take them. All right, I've got I've got two more. I've got one more and a tiebreaker, but we could just go both of them if uh, if you want. So here we go. At the same time. At the same time. Uh, <laughs> this is one of the this is one of the most appalling movies I have ever seen. It could not be more damaging to the career of Andrew Dice Clay if it had been made as a documentary by someone who hated him. The fact that Clay apparently thinks this movie is worth seeing is revealing and sad, indicating that he not only lacks a sense of humor. But also ordinary human decency. Is it Ford Fairlane? That's literally the only one I was thinking. About. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so unless you're punking all of us. Yeah, I think that's the MacGuffin. That's a that's a red. Oh hair. wait, 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 guys! He was also in *A Star Is Born*. Oh, it's a star. Good call. Is the great Lady Gaga? No way. <laughs> yeah, all right. The uh, the choices are. Rob McCutcheon joining us, by the way. The choices are The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, 1990. Dice Rules, 1991. Or the Terry Hatcher special Brain Smasher, A Love Story. Is, is Terry Hatcher nude in it? And are her breasts spectacular and real? They're real and spectacular. Yes. Um, Brain Smasher, she was, uh, Dice was in it for like, like eight out of the 120 minutes, right? Something like that. So I'm going to say, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with Ford Fairlane. I got to go with Dice Rules. Ford Fairlane is way too obvious, in my opinion. I'm going to go with Dice Rules. Yeah. I'm jumping yeah. down the uh, the main bandwagon here. Mike, I, I love the I love the fact that you you both know Brain Smasher and you know how many minutes Dice was in it. That's uh, that. I mean, come on, it's in his top five. Actually, God, the funny thing is, uh, it's on a podcast I listen to. I I don't listen to a, a ton of podcasts, but it's it was uh, featured in the Flop House. So yeah, oh, that's where George lived. Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> wow. I didn't take I stayed. You got Ford Fairland. Yeah. The correct answer is Dice Rules. Oh. Right up there. Mo getting back up on the board. You got Ming and Mike tied at second. John in the lead. Can I just briefly give you, for those of you other than Mike who have not seen Brain Smasher, a love story, I need to read a quick synopsis there. Sam Crane, a professional model played by Terry Hatcher, is asked by her sister to smuggle a package from Europe to Portland, Oregon, where she discovers that her sister is battling Chinese Shaolin monks, not ninjas. <laughs> fleeing, fleeing the monks, Sam unwittingly involves Ed Brain Smasher Malloy, a nightclub bouncer, played by Andrew Dice Clay. So, yeah, put that on your uh, points. Everything, man. It's, it's a must-see, boys. It's got it all. 
It's got it all. What all right, happens got, next, Todd? What happens I've got a tiebreaker, uh, and this I is... I don't even remember Dice Rules. That's why I couldn't get that one. I don't remember it. Was it a concert movie? Dice Rules? Yeah, it was a concert movie. Okay. Uh, all right, I've got a, I've got a tiebreaker here. Uh, there is not a tie, unless you want to count a tie for second place. But I'll throw this one out there and see if uh, see how we do. Uh, all right, Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson star. I neglected to mention that, maybe because I was trying to place them in this review's version of the Witness Protection Program. If I were taken off the movie beat and assigned to cover the interior design of bowling alleys, I would have some idea of how they must have felt as they made this film. Oh, crap. Is that the... So that's how to get a guy in 10 days or whatever the hell that was? How to, how to lose a guy in 10 days? Is that it? How to lose a guy in 10 days or, or failure to launch. One of those. No, I think that was Sarah Jessica Parker. So I'll help. Oh, all right. It was. Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson have made two movies together, five years apart, both wide release. Both sucked. They are. How to lose a guy in ten days and fool's gold. There's Ooh. only there's only two choices. There's a tiebreaker. There's only two uh, choices. 50, um, How to lose a guy in ten days. I'm going fool's gold then. Mo, take choice A. <laughs> I'm going to do fool's gold. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna give that one to, to Mo. The answer is wait, well, John, what'd you say? <laughs> I'm literally breaking my own rule of never go against Mike on movies, and I'm going with Ming and I'm saying fool's gold. Well, you had a chance to break double digits on this, Johnny. The answer is how to lose a guy in 10 uh, days. However, fuck, I still had enough in the bank to pull off the win. Wow. Johnny takes wow. this one home. John Roscoe's a win. After a blistering, uh, I think, seven for seven last time we played, you were off to a slow start, but you pulled it off. You came out in second in this one with five points. Ming at four. Mo. Respectable three. Strongly, strongly on the board with three points. Yeah. Well right. done, Mike. Nicely done. Good game, Todd. That might be Mo's best Hopefully. out of here. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, listen, we're going to get into point blank picks. Point blank picks. Uh, we're each going to recommend something to all of our Point Blank friends, fans, viewers, and listeners. Perhaps something that we've been enjoying during the quarantine, something that we've been meaning to catch up to for a while. It could be a movie. It could be a book. It could be a TV show. It could be an album. It could be a century experience destination. Anything is possible. Has it been covered? In Point Blank Picks. Uh, Mo obviously uh, went out to Michigan. He was holding the sign that said, I need a haircut, and they gave him one on the spot. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're gonna start off with Mighty Mo Yusuf. All right. So I will take a recommendation that I was given just three days ago, oh. and it's a Netflix series called You. It's a story about a brilliant, mayor, a, a, a brilliant male bookstore manager who crosses paths with an aspiring female writer. Um, the question is put to the test when this awkward crush becomes something even more sinister. And so essentially, um, this guy is a complete psychopath. And 
Uh, this girl, you know, he puts her way, way, way up on the pedestal, and she's anything but somebody who should be up there. Oh, wow. And there are just so many twists and turns. The, most of the story, I shouldn't say most of it, I'd say about a solid 30, 35% is done in narration, and it's perfect. And then the other is, uh, you know, it, it's based in New York City, and it's right on the cusp of when Uber just started and when people were still getting taxis, so it's right around that time and who's and, the um, star who's the star uh bu, 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 bu. girls pen badgley uh, okay yeah there we go yeah and a lot of a lot of really really uh good looking people on the uh on the series it's it's got me hooked in it's got uh it's got everything it's got sex violence and uh and great writing and great direction like, does it have does it, uh geo said he wants to know does it have rob gronkowski uh, <laughs> I think uh, he's in season what? two. I'm, I'm, only, I'm only four episodes in, so oh. I can't. Uh, and, wh and which what platform is that available on, Mo? It's on Netflix. It's streaming on Netflix. I was going to say, I think the lovely Suzanne has seen it. And look, there it is. She actually endorses your pick All right. with a very rare good pick, Mo. So uh, I, I might scare her, but I was actually, I saw myself in that guy. Oh, for God. about two episodes. I'm like, wow, I you know, I can see myself being that guy. And then, you know, he took a he took a, a bit John, of a turn. Do you remember uh, John? I don't know. I mean, not to spoil anything, but there's a show called Breaking Bad. It was about a, a, a very nice chemistry teacher. At one point, he he kind of starts to turn. He starts to break bad, if you will. No, but there's a whole different thing, you know. Coinciding with a period of time where he shaves his head bald. So oh. I'm just gonna put that out there. Nice, nice. Fortunately, that's good in chemistry. <laughs> All right, Mike. Say you... Mo's name. <laughs> Say my name. Mosenberg. Now let's. Mosenberg. Can... I love it. Uh, Mike, why don't you go ahead and give us your point blank pick? I will. I, I'm gonna. I was inspired last week, and I got to thank PJ Wendell for being on. Thank you again, PJ. I know you're out there in the audience, and uh, you were talking about um, Chef Lou's army. And uh, today, my wife, my the beautiful Julia, mm. got a uh, got a text from a friend of hers um, saying, "Hey, listen, if you can, if if you got some time today, instead of just you know putzing your your day away with uh, a, you know social distance work and that, um, could you do me a favor and run some food out to?" Um, a family that's quarantined. One of the one of the people in the house had COVID, is, is recovering right now, but the, the family is on lockdown. So there's a place uh, in Asbury Park called the Asbury Park Food Collective. Mm -hmm. And it's all of the chefs and the restaurants in Asbury Park are putting together meals for people at no cost to them. Um, no questions asked. If the need is there, you go. You can pick up to four meals. It's called uh, again the Asbury Park Food Collective, and uh, they're they're in Asbury Park, and I'm sure that there are a lot of people doing this around the country. You know, wherever you are. But if you if we we went out and um, we we dropped off meals for people, and I got to tell you, rather than sitting home fearing the virus, I felt great about doing something. Something productive. So, two, two that's what I did today. Like, uh, first is uh, 
my own wife, the lovely Susanna, before she became a teacher here in the in the great town of Little Silver, she was a, a school director in Asbury Park for a number of years. And uh, a, a, the great majority of her students, of her constituency there, were exceptionally needy families. And so that Asbury Park Food Collective would help them out uh, during the holidays uh, to actually put on, for example, a Thanksgiving dinner at the school because ordinarily the kids would not be able to get one. And mm -hmm. so I know it's a great cause. Uh, but here's the question I have. You mentioned they've got a number of chefs and cooks getting to work over there. Are they drafting you, Mike, into back into the kitchen to uh, to do your old your old gig there? You know what? I would do that. I would actually do that. But I'm I'm sure they've already got their pieces and and people in place. I would love to I'd love to cook for people and just hand them out. But hey, you, there are, there's trust issues there, and I appreciate that. Hey, listen, Mel. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we put you to work. In the in the food bank right here in Red Bank at the uh, at lunch break, right? We had you working in the kitchen too that day. Yeah, it was a fantastic day, and there was a, you know, started early in the morning, and I think we served over seventy five lunches that day. Yeah, very very yeah. very nice day, Phil. Could get back to the community. Of course, you needed a hairnet then. You do yeah. not now. <laughs> and Chen, you're a point blank pick, my friend. I um, <clears throat> I uh, give gonna give a shout out to a local business in Middletown, New Jersey called AU Honey. Um, they, it is a honey producer with a bunch of beehives in, in Middletown. Uh, I first became aware of them uh, at Bell Works at the Bell Fresh Market. And uh, I just run out. I, I went on Instagram. I was like, hey, how can I get more honey, more of your honey in this time where, uh, you know, everything's kind of closed? And they're like, you know what? Just DM us on Instagram. We, we will deliver it to your house. And uh, in two hours, I had, uh, I had two jars wow. of honey at my door. And um, I was like, well, what what kinds do you have? You know, I want the regular honey. Do you have anything else? They're they like, all right, we have lemon honey, we have spice honey, and we have something called hot honey. I'm like, hot honey. I like spice. Franco so jumping in on hot honey even before you said it. Yeah, exactly. So it's a it's a chili infused honey. Nice. And it's pretty amazing. Um, I'm trying to figure out what else to put it on, but uh, fried chicken comes to mind. I was going to say, right? Oh, yeah. you know, that's, that's what you're thinking of. You said they're based oh, in Middletown, New Jersey? The Middletown, New Jersey. Made there locally. Yeah, made locally. And it's, uh, I mean, I, I thought honey was just honey. Big deal. Go get the bottle, the, the, the one with the bear on it. No. Oh, my gosh, Ming. No. no. Shame on you, Ming. So I'll just, I'll just share this in the shameless plug department. So at Ross Brewing, we, we use locally sourced honey in our Passaic Porter. It's our honey vanilla chocolate porter and uh, and the vanilla and the chocolate are a little bit more exotic we use peruvian cacao nibs and madagascar bourbon vanilla but for the honey portion we get it uh organic uh monmouth county grown wildflower honey i've been picking it up from wemrock farms out in freehold but this sounds like somebody that's even closer and you're giving it a hearty recommendation oh yeah it, it's amazing it's uh yeah it's honey is not honey it's like calling uh like course like craft beer it's not you know <laughs> <laughs> there's, part of, there's craft honey for sure and uh au which of, of course is the chemical symbol for gold, gold? yeah and uh it is pretty amazing so i gotta give him a shout out for it, delivering to my doorstep within two hours and i ordered it on instagram so it was pretty amazing wow great service. yep au honey on instagram if you're yeah. If you're if you're local, great pick. Go ahead and uh, if they have a, if they have a link or something, put that in the comments. Before we get to Todd's pick, uh, Richard Eckney wants to know if uh, 
if anyone here has ever played Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, Todd, I think you had a response for him. Yeah, I said on a on a podcast hosted by a bunch of comic book nerds, what could what could possibly be the odds? Right. Any Dungeons and Dragons in here? So, so I, I I used to play when I was young. Uh, we played at Hunter. There was a group of us uh, back in middle school, high school. Got away from it from twenty or so years. My brother Tom and his entire crew, they've stayed playing through high school, through college, through adulthood. Hey, now, yep, now into parenthood. They uh, they actually have, this is going to sound crazy because I didn't know this was a thing. They, they literally have, you can Google this, the number one ranked Dungeons & Dragons podcast. It's called Audio Dungeon. They uh, they brought me on as a guest last year, and uh, and they're big into it. And so my brother Tom, more so than myself, he's taught my kids – and so now John runs a game weekly with his friends, and they've been doing it remotely during the quarantine. So uh, the, the legacy yeah. of John, uh, great question, Rich. But now, Todd, we're going to get I've your seen, uh, I've actually seen somebody get their nose broken over Dungeons and Dragons. Was it Mike Cansey or? No, Jake Adamo broke somebody's oh. nose. Oh, my He broke Bruce Kaufman's nose. Hopefully Carlos is still on and can remember that. Uh, uh, Todd, your point blank pick, my friend. All right, I'll take one. I'll I'll take things way afield, way far afield on this one. This is, uh, as you guys know, I've got a, a ton of kids, and I watch a lot of kids' movies. Oh, and as a result, uh, you get a true appreciation for those that are done well, and those that are done in a way that offer something for the kids as well as for the adults. You uh, when you when you can appreciate the craft of them. So I'm going to throw out a uh, Disney movie. This is nothing groundbreaking, or you know, it's it is one of their, I guess, one of their hits. But in my mind, it's underrated Disney, and it's it's tangled. The story of uh, of Rapunzel. I don't know who I'm making this pick for because if you've got kids, you've already seen it, and if you don't, I'm sure no one of our listeners care about this movie. But I'm going to make a pitch anyway for for those of you who haven't. Um, this movie's got <laughs> it's got fantastic voice work by Zachary Levy of Shazam fame, uh, playing what I what I think is my favorite Disney uh, Disney character, Flynn Rider. Uh, Mandy Moore doing the the female lead Rapunzel, great voice, amazing songs throughout. Donna Murphy, a Broadway actress, killer Broadway like songs in there. The songs are all excellent. The comedy is great. This is quietly, in my mind, one of Disney's funniest movies, and it's actually got killer action sequences and and cinematography. They uh, it's it's considered a bomb in the Disney overall because it cost a, some, something like two hundred plus million dollars to make because they created a bunch of technology in a, in a type of filmmaking for this film that they then used on frozen and, and, a, and toy story and a bunch of their other, their other hits moving forward. So it was kind of an investment in this one that then paid off in future movies. Was that, was tangled the first one where they transitioned from the 2d animation to the computer 3d animation? I, I don't know that it was necessarily exactly that. I think it was just some of the techniques that they used. They were, they were um, pioneering with this movie and it took, it also had a release date that then got pulled for some reason. I think the writer's strike, and then they had to come back in it. So it was crazy expensive to make. Um, it made it made money, but it wasn't profitable, I guess, as a, as a result. But um, it's got some some incredibly well shot, if, if you can call it that, action sequences, including the the opening scene is a is a heist from a from a palace, and, uh, and then there's a fight in the in a canyon that's just that's just beautifully done. That includes uh, a, a, a classic line. One of my favorites is is at one point the lead male character is for reasons that be, you know that would become apparent as you watch. He's dueling a horse using a frying pan, and the horse has a sword in its mouth. But he says at one point, "You should know that this is the strangest thing I've ever done." 
So it's oh, there we go. Seventeen seconds at fifty minutes. Let's give it up, Mo Yusuf. Mo, always waiting on Mo. Is everything okay? If anything else, I'm consistent. All right. Never fails. So there you go, Tangled. Check it out if you if you haven't. It's it's uh it's a winner. It's worth seeing. You'll enjoy it. So actually, got two quick observations. Uh, Bob Corbeil says Mo is cut off. Uh, no, no more of that lemon water for him. But but, <laughs> but I want to take it back to Todd's college roommate, Rob McCutcheon, who says, "Notice in the movie, anytime Rapunzel's mom is appearing affectionate, she's actually talking to her hair." So I, I haven't seen the film, and it's a pretty pretty uh, deep reading of it. So now I'm going to look for that to, when I have grandkids. I guess will be the time oh, I watch this movie. Check it out; it's uh, worth it. Um, uh, and Stu, of course, says that both the Wonder Twins and himself loves it. So, Fifty seventeen. The podcast is officially started. <laughs> All right, here's my own point blank pick, and then we'll move on. So last week I recommended a, a TV series that's been out since 2010. It's technically still ongoing, uh, but season five is in perpetual production, and that was Sherlock. In, and I hadn't never seen it before. This I'm going to recommend a series that I had seen before. And it's a series that I saw when it aired in the year 2001, so almost 20 years ago. And this was the HBO original miniseries, Band of Brothers. We've been doing a rewatch. It's the first time I've rewatched it since it aired. I've had the Blu-rays sitting in a tin collectible case uh, for whoo, probably about, I don't know, eight years. And uh, actually, I didn't even crack them open because we're watching it on demand now. But um, but I wanted to, to take the kids through it. Uh, we were able to get through the first episode, uh, Curahi, and uh, and that's when Kara did tap out. John has stayed through to the end. Where, where uh, isn't Timothy Charlemagne in that one? Or no? T T Tim's not. She, but strangely, she did watch uh, another film that I liked a lot on Netflix, The King. It's Netflix adaptation of Shakespeare's Henriette. So Henry the Fourth, Part One and Two, and Henry the Fifth, all condensed into one movie. That was brutal graphic. She said there was a lot of war in it, so that was surprising. But getting back to Band of Brothers, uh, so yeah, taking taking it through, uh, watching it with John uh, and, and the lovely Suzanne, seeing scenes all over again for the first time. And one thing besides the absolutely incredible true story of these men, based of course on the book Band of Brothers by uh, Stephen Ambrose, and then a couple of, uh, of books as well by a few of the people in the show. So uh, so Major Dick Winters, uh, you know, wrote his book, Beyond Band of Brothers. Uh, and then there's another uh, character in the show, Private David Kenyon Webster. He, uh, his memoirs, in fact, uh, his, he, his rigorous detail, he was a, a journalist and a Harvard student. His, his memoirs became the basis for what Stephen Ambrose wrote the book on. His book is called parachute infantry and uh, anyway all of the events in the series are based on on anecdotes from those three books um and what you forget or what i had forgotten anyway is just who the heck is in this thing i mean you're talking about an ultra young ultra young tom hardy uh, uh james mcavoy uh michael fassbender and that's before and of course Damian Winters, who would go on to become a very big star in a number of TV series, uh, and a few not so great Stephen King movie adaptations. And um, you know, then you've got the the cameos that stuck out even then, but are even funnier now, such as uh, David Schwimmer 
and um, and Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Simon Pegg has a small role as well. Just just an amazing cast. It's like that generation's Young Guns. We'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> very Young Guns too, but uh, but what, what what can't be denied? I mean, it, when you watch that in comparison to what's happening now, I'm not judging anybody. Uh, certainly, I've never. Uh, served a day in, in our in our country's military, but here guys were were killing themselves if they couldn't get into the army to fight for their country. One guy says three guys from his hometown committed suicide because they were rated four F and weren't allowed to join. Um, and uh, <laughs> and unfortunately that that serum was not available for all of them. Though. But um, but just just the absolute epic grittiness. And it really set the standard for what would become now the next two decades templates of HBO premier limited series. So that's Bandit Brothers. Somehow, if you haven't seen it yet, go see it. It's on demand right now. And if you have HBO, it's free. All right, folks, before we move into our next segment, we'll just take a quick pause to mention our next round of craft beers. Is uh, is anyone drinking anything else? Todd, we'll start with you. I was uh, I was just about to go grab it. Hold, let me let me run to my fridge. I'll be right back. Hey, can I can I just say one thing in here? I I noticed that you run, Todd. Yes. You can always listen to us <laughs> in the pocket. Um, when Ming was talking about his uh, his honey, and uh, Gio Teddy had written in there hedge honey, so I'm like, what the hell is hedge honey? Never heard of that. So I went on Urban Dictionary. And there's no such thing. And <laughs> so I'm like, all right. So let me find out if he truly does make up movies, uh, movies, uh, words. So I looked up smoothing. And what he calls smoothing is not smoothing. In the Urban Dictionary, oh my God. The, definition, the definition of smoothing is when you go into a bar club, apply super glue to where the jukebox is plugged into the wall, wait five minutes, then max out the jukebox on continuous plays of the Rob Thomas Santana classic collab smooth, and then wait or scram depending on your bravery. So that is smoothing. Gia, you've been outed. Okay, your definition. You're just making up words, phrases. You're not a just extending the, uh, the the definition. We still want to know about the hedge honey, but um, okay, what is hedge honey? I could only hear from the hallway, but was Mike just talking about smoothing? Mike, Mike was. Mike, right. he's gonna the be true a, definition. True definition. <laughs> All right, Todd, why don't you start us off with your next beer, my friend? Don't even let me open it yet. All right. Uh, so this is um, this is one I've been I've been I, so I picked this up from Tavor. Uh, I've talked about them a bunch. This is uh, the, the service of you know picking out your craft beers, and they send you a. Uh, a box every month of all kinds of delightful craft beers from around the country. Got to finish out what I had there, and I'm going to crack this live. This is one uh, from a brewery. I don't know if you've heard of these guys, not John Levante Brewing Company. In where's this coming from? Uh, Westchester, Pennsylvania, and uh, this is a milk stout called Mercurial. Uh, Mercurial Silk, an Imperial Cacao Milk Stout, pouring delightfully. Bl- so I'll throw you the uh, the can up there. Nice. Mercurial. Well, well, this way, that way. There we go. Mercurial Silk, and uh, yeah, it's it's nice and 
dark, thick black. Let's get the let's get the boat on the front there so we can properly show that one off. And uh, yeah, it's a, has the nose on that one. Yeah, you've got a nice a nice hit of uh, of chocolate of cacao uh, coming right off there. That's delightful. I've had this one. I have this one waiting for me. I've been waiting to hit it up. It's uh, it's it's really good. Um, Pat Kawula saying, "Wait, what? A craft beer box? I am signing up." I've only been talking to them for about five or six weeks in a row. Pat, um, Tavor.com. They will be a future sponsor. John's working on it. Yeah, for the Point Blank podcast. And uh, yeah, this one's it's delicious. Mercurial Silk. I've got one uh, waiting for you next time you come out, Johnny. So, so I'm going to tell you something funny. And it's not about the beer. It's about where they're from, Westchester, PA. I was just about to relate the one and only fact I know about Westchester, PA. And before I could get it out, because it is ironic, and I'll get to it, I was hoping that Carlos was still watching. Carlos is not only still watching, he knew apparently what I was going to say. Because for the second time in 10 minutes, and also the second time in 47 episodes, Jake Adama was about to be mentioned. What? Yes, that's true, Mo. When when, when Richard Acne said, "Oh, did any of you play Dungeons and Dragons?" and you said, "Well, I once saw somebody's nose get broken over Dungeons and Dragons," and you were talking about when Jake Adamo broke whose nose was that? Bruce who? That was Bruce Kaufman. Poor Bruce. So uh, years <laughs> was later, backhanded punch too. It was crazy. Years later, <laughs> years later, when um, when we were at St. John's and I was on the the competitive debate team. And we would travel to different schools throughout the Northeast. Uh, your high school friend, Jake Adamo, was on my college debate team. Small world. Yeah. And uh, um, we uh, we went out to a meet in Westchester, PA. And as it turns out, I took home a silver cup about this size, a bowl for second place. But that's my only experience with that town. Uh, and I learned that there is a space between West and Chester. Didn't know they had a brewery. <laughs> Glad to hear, Todd, that that beer is great. Uh, and you got a, a completely non-sequitur parable right there. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my own beer. It's from the main beer company. Okay, now we've we've had beer from these guys before. Uh, they're most famed for their uh, lunch IPA. There's also another one they do called Breakfast, believe it or not. But, uh, but this one is called A Tiny Beautiful Something. Now, they're not in Portland, Maine. They're in Freeport, Maine which is not far. And rather than tell you much about the beer, which is uh, a pale ale coming in at 5.3% and is, oh, so pleasant. Instead, I'm going to read you what they put on the, on the bottom because these guys are definitely different up there at Maine Beer Company. Here's your description of the beer. Most people are on the world, not in it. They have no conscious sympathy or relationship to anything about them undiffused, separate, and rigidly alone, like marbles of polished stone, touching but separate. That's a quote from John Muir. So it really doesn't tell you a lot about the beer whatsoever, but it tells you that these guys at Maine Beer Company are very connected to the planet, to their town, their state, their environment, and the way that they make beer. Uh, there's very, very few right now that are as close to the top of their game as these guys are. This is the first time I've had a tiny, beautiful something and I have to tell you, it's incredibly, incredibly pleasant. It's not as heavily hopped as an IPA would be, so it's just a step below that, at what we would call a pale ale. So I started with the three point, the three percent checkpoint Charlie from Newburgh. We moved up to five point three from Maine Beer Co. And then I've got another bigger one coming later. 
But that's it. Unless me, Johnny, you're uh, you're, you're catching up. I started nine three. This one's at twelve percent. So okay, all right, good for you. Keep that trajectory going. Also, shout out to Matt Miller. Says thanks for the Tavor bringing Tavor to our attention. I've got my first crate on order. Wow, I love it. You hear that, Tavor? You hear that? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Bringing people in. Bringing people in. I'd I'd love to hear Matt what you've got in there, and uh, and you know, tell us more next week about what you ordered. We're about to be sending in their second one because it looks like Pacawool is very interested as well. All right. Let's move on to our next segment. And um, it's another quick mini game, and this is going to be older or younger. Older or younger. Here's the conceit, folks. There's a lot of celebrities out there. And I'd say approximately 152nd of all celebrities have a birthday this week. And we're going to talk about some of those celebrities that have a birthday this week. And the gang is going to have to guess are they older or younger than a target age that I'm going to be giving them? At the end, we'll tally it up. The winners will get amazing prizes. Everyone else will not. If there's a tie, we've got a tiebreaker. So um, I see Todd has just stepped away. Um, maybe we can give you guys a head start on the first one. Sounds good. Actually, what I'm the neck. What I- <laughs> <laughs> I love when I hear Mo tap, tap, tapping away on his keyboard. You can see my hands right here. All right. All right. All right now, let's see. Uh, we got Matt Miller, Pacula, and Bob Corbeil is already guessing older, does not know who, who the first one is or what the target age is, but Bob's getting it. Uh, let's see. Nick Franco, all the celebrities get older. They always get older. Except Paul Rudd. It's funny. I just just, uh, just saw the meme today, sent it over to my kids, about uh, somebody aged up all the Avengers. And uh, they all they go, man, of course, Paul Rudd looks exactly the same. Um, now, who's this? Diane is too We don't know which Diane this is. That's Diane DeRocky. Works for L'Oreal. Actually, my, uh, my second boss ever at L'Oreal. Wow. Was that, was that after Gino DeVito? That was after. Uh, Gino was technically never my boss. He was my N plus two. Oh, so sorry. Oh, so sorry. Yeah. I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of Vito to Gino. All right. So let's, let's get older or younger. We've explained the rules. I'm going to go ahead and give you your first one. Uh, a large segment of this audience will know him best as Gimli the Dwarf. Although, of course, he appeared in many films, uh, including Raiders of the Lost Ark and Last Crusade. I'm talking about John Reese Davies. John Reese Davies had a birthday two days ago. Is he older or younger than 72? Older or younger? 72. Whoa. He's got a face that looks like he's been old for a long time. I mean, older. 72 and Raider. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You know, it might have been the costume, but he wasn't really moving too well. Uh, when, he, when he was in Lord of the Rings, so I'll say he's older. Okay, um, so I'm gonna guess younger. Then I've got Ming younger, Mike older, Mo older, and Todd. I'm I'm with Ming. I think he's typecast as the kind of guy who plays older roles, and then when you see him in person, he looks like he's he's 45. So yeah. I'm going younger. Okay, the target age was 72. Is he older or younger? His oh, actual 45. His actual age he just turned 75. Oh, oh, damn. So Mike and Mo are on the board. Oh. Okay. We're going to move on to Take the news. 
Thank you, Google. <laughs> who celebrated a birthday yesterday. And her name is Tina Yothers. And you, oh. may, you may remember her as the youngest sister, Jennifer Keaton, on Family Ties. Mm -hmm. Or you may not remember her because that's the only thing I can remember her for myself. In any event, Tina Yothers, yep. older or younger than 49. She's younger. I mean, I really wanted to uh, to have a crush on her. I never did. That was a good save there, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> it's because she was because she was a, a younger woman. That's why. Yeah, that's why. Salah. Uh, I will agree with Mo. Just a smidge younger. Younger. Forty nine. Younger than forty nine. Mike is saying. Okay. I'm gonna smidge. go. I'm gonna go younger as well. All right. All right. Well, I got I to gotta break. I, I, as you know, everything you bring up, I, I said it in 1980. Family Ties, 1980. She was probably 16, 17 or, or so. So yeah. I'm, I'm pegging her at around in her 50s at this point. I'm going older. Ooh, Todd with the math. All right. Uh, Todd's math, just about as good as Moe's in figuring out how long Captain America was in the ice. <laughs> because Tina Yothers turned... 46 years old. Mo, perfectly okay for you to have a crush on her. You guys are the same exact age. Okay? And you're a week apart. So, Oh, nice. No, I'm, she might still be single. You don't know. All right. Come on. Gio says she's got to be 55. I, I can't believe I'm <laughs> yeah. to be. just got to be. Hey, she's no Lady Gaga, but, you know. Sometimes hey, Mo, you just got to. Todd, if only you could be playing against George. You'd be killing it right now. All right. <laughs> now listen, for, for those of us that grew up in the 80s and 90s, before the real rise of CNN, you probably got most of your news from MTV News. And of course, I'm talking about the host Kurt Loader. Kurt Loader of MTV News. Is Kurt Loader, whose birthday was yesterday, older or younger than 72? I know the answer. I'll go last. Wow. Whoa. I did some research before this episode. Yeah, thank God for Google there. And uh, you know what? You uh, didn't have to say. I know the answer. I'm going last. You could have just been like, I know the answer. Or you didn't even have to say, I know the answer. So I know. He's compelled to. He's one of the most honest guys. Have ever cheated. So, uh, all right, the rest of you go ahead. Older or younger? I'm going to go younger. Uh, Kurt Loder was a guy I found out who first told me that Kurt Cobain had committed suicide That's on right. a breaking MTV News report. And I'll never forget that. Man. You're yeah, right. in uh, 94, 95, I believe, or whatever I, year it was. That Kurt Loder was a guy who called you up and told you. The way you – Kurt Loder is the guy who told me on MTV. I mean, he came into my house via the TV <laughs> and told me. Well, he was the face of news for a lot of people. Yeah, back then. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. But, um, I'll go older. Yeah, I'll go younger, though. He was old. Right. I'm, 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 at a, I'm, I'm at a loss because you've got Bob Corbeil saying he's ancient and Nick Franco saying older. Pete Riario says Kurt Loder, and then he says Loder. And then he says younger. So I mean, we're all over the all over the map on that one. I'm going to go younger. I had him in his 60s. I'd say younger. 
Okay, Kurt Loader. I'd like to thank my uh, fraternity brothers for posting this the other day. Uh, Loader 74. Mo, that is exactly right. He is older. So that means Mike and Mo get it right. Ming and Todd do not. Goose egg. I, I can't. This one. It, 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 it's happened twice. Last time you had a question. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, well, what's his name? It's Stu uh, shouted out and uh, wish a happy birthday to. Uh, uh, William Shatner. William Bob, Shatner. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm gonna say Bob Saget, but that wasn't it. Oh, just keep your eye on your newsfeed in the in the days around this. You're gonna be doing. Geo said he asked, "Is Milton Berle dead?" Re not realizing that's the that's the other game, dead or alive. George, can we have you back on? We'll we'll we'll, we'll bring that back. Right. Don't worry, right. Jim. Milton Berle is still alive. A very, very healthy and young, 112 years old. Susie Coco. Uh, Ming, if you can pull up Susie Coco's response. I can. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with, is, it, is Milton Berle dead? <laughs> That's my answer. I'm over $600 now. If you're just tuning in, yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Um, actually, we have a mail call. Apparently, um, they, they were they, some people were complaining about well not complaining about but commenting strongly about my man crushes but uh that said here's another one and that's everyone's favorite man of steel henry cavill superman himself has a birthday today today henry cavill did he turn older or younger than 38 wow Star of the mission. Of I've got this one. I, I actually know the answer. I'm going to go last. You, I've seen that somewhere. I also know the answer. I will go after Todd, which is last, last. No, I'm uh, star of the hugely, right. hugely underrated film, The Man from Uncle, based on the TV series. Uh, really eagerly awaiting a sequel there. Of course, still awaiting a Man of Steel sequel. Now, John, I've got, I've he's, got, I actually took. I, I took note of your man crushes last week. I had on my list James Marsden, Fred Savage, and Jason Bateman. Do we need to add Henry Cavill to the no, list? He's right up there, dude. You can uh, add. You can add it. Fred Savage, not a crush. I just said he was a cute kid. Uh, we'll keep that as a running uh, as a running list. We may we'll vote on that by the end of the year. See who uh, John's favorite man crush actually is. Oh boy! All right. Well, yeah, we'll throw the top three uh, man right. crushes of John. Let's get to older or younger. Henry, 38, 38. older or 38. younger? I'm going to go younger, just by a smidge, but younger. Okay. Mike? I think he's done so much in so little time. I'm going to say younger, too. Okay. Younger for Mo. Okay. Don't forget he was in the Mount of, the Count of Monte Cristo. Opposite. Yeah, he was. As okay. a kid. That's right. I'm going older. I'm, I'm going to go 44. I'm going older as well. Okay. Way to go last, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> he needed. No, no, there's a delay. He did go last. There's a delay. Sure there is. Yeah. Uh, let's wish a happy birthday to that hunk of hunk of burning love, Henry Cavill, who turned 36 today, ladies and gentlemen. 36. Younger. That is a point for Mike, a point for Mo. I, I don't want to say anything. They are running perfect so far. Todd, you're running perfectly opposite. Okay. Let's talk about one of America's most beloved hosts, 
And I'm not just talking about Dancing with the Stars. I'm talking America's Funniest Home Videos. And this is Tom Bergeron. Tom Bergeron, older or younger than 66. Is there an I don't care option in this? If you get the Tom Bergeron. Yes. 66. Uh, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say he's older than 66. Mo's using the touchscreen option. <laughs> no, I, I'll say he's older, but I got I got to run real quick. I'll be right back. Okay, good luck. All right. All right. I'm going younger, 62. Okay, and I'm Mike? gonna go younger as well, 63, oh. 64. Mike, bad call aligning with me on this one. Yes, uh, but I could turn the tide for you, Todd. Oh, I like it. Here's one thing that's for sure. If you guys are on the same page, the first time you've been all game, one of your streaks is about to end. Mike has never gotten one wrong today. Todd has never gotten one right. However, the guess for Tom Bergeron of being older or younger at 66 was correct if you had said younger because he actually turned 64 today. Oh, I'm back. I'm, I'm, I'm emailing the next 10 in a row. When he gets older and he is 64. So we're going to give – a point to Mike and a point to Todd. Um, and Ming and Mo do not. Do right. So what we're going to do here, we're, we're going to keep going without Mo, and we're going to assign a randomized value to him. So um, he's no. going older. This, this guy, girl. although not a specific man for me, I've always been a big fan. And he has been voted People's Sexiest Man Alive three different times. I'm talking about George Clooney. And George Clooney's birthday is today as well. And is George Clooney older or younger than 57? Older or younger than 57? Look, he's the only man alive who has started two different TV series named ER. True. I'm going older. Okay, we've got one vote for older. We'll go older as well. Didn't Natalie lose her virginity to him on Facts of Life? <laughs> Something like that. I know how old she is. So. Yeah, I'll go older for sure. I've got him pegged at 59. I'm going older. Okay. And how do we determine... Uh, Mo, should I just do a random number? I'm going to do random. I'll use an Excel spreadsheet. Random between one and two. Don't. Uh, um, we'll, we'll, well, actually, we have to determine before I do this, to be fair. If it's one, that means older. If it's two, that means younger, right? Okay. Also known as a coin flip. Go for it. All right. Random between... Uh, while, you, while you pull that up, we've got a, we've got a plea from George Setti to... Friend of the program, the lovely Suzanne Kokoza, saying, Tell him I need to be on the next episode. I've gotten no invites during the pandemic. Clooney is older. <laughs> That's a very okay. long answer. Mo got a one. What did we say one was, older or younger? One was older. Okay. So in that case, Mo gets an O for older. Here's the thing all four of you said older. George Clooney, when he woke up yesterday, was 57, but today he's 58. Older is correct. Older is correct by one year. You all got it right. What did I tell you, Todd? Broke it for you, buddy. I love it. I, I originally was going to go 59 for his age. Then I realized 
you know, if he was older than 59, there you go, that he would be 60. And that obviously Mike would know that because that would have been in People Magazine and everything else. Big 60. So uh, so we're going to move on. But actually, before we do, let's address George's point. One year. George is asking, you know, can he come on the show next week? He can't come on next week. We've got a guest by the name of Brian O'Halloran joining us next week. Uh, some of you may remember him from his great appearance at the uh, Ross Brewing Launch Party, but uh, most of you probably remember him for his acting career, including Clerks, Clerks 2, and numerous other uh, films directed by Kevin Smith, as well as a, a theater career. And uh, and he's been uh, he's been working as an actor for for mo well, I'm not gonna make him sound old, but for a while now. And uh, in any event, he's joining us next week. Say again, Mike. Since Clooney was a pup. Since, oh my God! So yeah, we're gonna have Brian O'Halloran joining us. We'll, we'll, pencil, we'll pencil George in for the for the the episode after the other one with the, the other, with when we do the spread. Right, we've got a few good guests coming up, and Geo's certainly going to be one of them. All right, let's move on. Um, Shout out to Kate Clifton joining us. All right, what's up there, Kate? So she was a star of Agents of Shield on ABC for a number of years. She was in the second G.I. Joe movie, playing Lady J. And, of course, she was the star of David Kelly's failed Wonder Woman pilot on CBS. I'm talking about Adrian Palicki. Adrian Palicki celebrates a birthday tomorrow. And is this beautiful young lady, older or younger than 34? 34. Oof. I recognize the name, but I can't place her. As you were saying it, I wrote down 37, so I'm going older. Sticking with the yeah, uh, buddy. I'm I'm you said 34, right? I did, yeah. She's done a lot in a little bit of time. She was on Supernatural. She was on um yeah, the Agents of Shield. She was on um damn it. Um the uh the new Seth McFarlane. The Orville. The Orville, that's right. Of course, yeah. She's number two on the Orville. So 30, um, I'm going to say a smidge older. Oh, she was in Friday Night Lights. Did you say that? I didn't. I didn't see it. You didn't see that show? Mm. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, I'll save that for my next point blank pick. She's fantastic. Okay. I know who that is now. Uh, Todd, I'm going to go. Oh, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go older as well. All right. So I've got Mike at. Older, older, Mo, older, Todd, older, Ming, older. We're just being fair to Mo when we do that. Uh, Adrian, the lovely Adrian, turned 36 today. So yes. it's older, all about four points awarded. Okay. You were close, Todd. 37. Very nice. Uh, all right. Now I'm going to give you one. Okay. This is going to be hopefully difficult here. Todd, I'd love to see your first take on this one. Live, live feed right here. Go ahead. She was known for being a little too young at a time when that could get you in trouble. Tomorrow, Tracy Lords celebrates her birthday. And is Tracy Lords older or younger than 50? Keep in mind, keep in mind, she did attend the Lee Strasberg School of Method Acting as well. Uh, <laughs> that was after. <laughs> but that was definitely after. That's that great. was after. Uh, I know the answer to this, so I am Mike's, going. Mike's a student of Tracy Lords. He's 
<laughs> Actually, I'm not as big a fan as we know. He, he studied under Tracy Lords for many years. He did. I wish. Yes. All right. Who can give us a guess then? I'm going to say Go older than 50. Older than 50, Ming says. Wow. Okay. We got a vote for older. I have, by, for no reason whatsoever, I fear I'm being quite unfair to Ms. Lords, but I, I wrote down 58, so I'm have to, I'm going to have to go older. Okay, see, so Todd, I was... I don't know why I write these down, by the way. I think it's because I forget what I guessed, but there you I go. Todd, you're way off, but yes, she is older than 50. Okay, uh, why don't we say that most said younger, so somebody gets it wrong. Uh, <laughs> I know John, John gets closer as we go further along, so I know I'm way off, but hopefully not by, I still get it right. Yeah, she, she actually turns 51. 51. There you go. Uh, Mike, Mike, I want to hear the story about why you knew that so uh, so quickly. Uh, because <laughs> she was in uh, one of... Tread carefully. Yes, <laughs> I'm tiptoeing around this minefield, uh, especially since it's being recorded and replayed all over the place. Uh, when I was like 15 or... Actually, I was 16. A um, friend of mine had a Actually, no. What? Why am I lying? My brother would um, pirate VHS tapes. Okay. VCR to VCR. That's why. That's why we're such good friends, Ming, because it runs in my family too. Um, so, but he he did a lot of porn, and one of them was Tracy Lord. And I was like, I'm stealing this from my brother. So I stole that one and. When it all went south and everybody had to shred their, yep, um, or, or go to jail, yeah, or go to jail, exactly. We will come to your house. We will take your porn and we will drag you off to jail. Um, I remember that, and I was like, "Holy crap, she is a year and some odd months younger than me." So, and and that's where I thought Todd, you would you would have done a lot better than your guests of fifty eight because we were in high school when. That was all going on. Now we're a couple of years younger than Mike, but we remember, uh, at least I remember being, you know, in the hallway saying, like, oh my God, this scandal, you know, she had, she had forged a birth certificate or something to be able to work uh, in the adult industry earlier than was legal. But uh, interestingly, she quit that industry just two days after she turned 18. Once, uh, once she was legal, she didn't get a thrill out of it anymore. But uh, I she, did do one, she did do one legit. Oh, no, no. She, she, she has done, I know, a few comeback appearances. Uh, no pun intended. Now, I just want to go back one second to Pat Kawula because he mentioned, and I, I know he's not referring to Tracy here, but rather Adrian, that she wrote a comic with her brother Eric called No Angel. Uh, Tracy's uh, brother Eric Palicki is a friend of mine as well, uh, and I'm familiar with that comic. So she is a, a very, very talented woman. Adrian's – whatever. Adrian. You said Tracy. Either way. Uh, well, I met Adrian's brother. Uh, sure. So, all right, we're uh, we're we're coming to the end here, folks. Um, we've mentioned her on the show before. Uh, most recently, in connection to some big breaking news, but she's also a member of the Viewers Universe family. Rosario Dawson, birthday tomorrow. Older or younger than forty-one? Oh, mother. She is older than 41. Not by much, but she's older than 41. Older. 
by one year. I'm going to go younger than 41. Ming's going to go younger than 41. Okay. And Mo's going to say he, she's exactly 41. Okay, so why don't we say the next person to write in the comments, older or younger, um, is going to be the determinant of Mo. So, well, Nick Franco, beautiful and awesome. Older, older. Pat Kula came in saying older. Okay, so Mo says older. Mike says older. Todd says older. Ming says younger. You're not going to believe this because it does feel like she's been around forever. She's done so many things. But Rosario Dawson turns 40 years old tomorrow. 40. Good for her. You know, uh, I I tested this out earlier today. The lovely Suzanne and and John Ross, the intern, they both thought she was around 47, 48 because I (laughs) think of how many, you know, she was in rent and all this stuff. So first we lost Mike. Then we lost Mike. Come on, I was off by two years. That's pretty good, though. I know. Yeah, there, here he is. Pretty good. He's, he's back. You guys didn't know this, but an older right. brother is now playing like Survivor. You get it wrong, you're out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so let's let's tally up the scores and see if we need a tiebreaker, okay? Ming has one, two, three, four, five points for Ming. Mike has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight points. Matter of fact, Mike, that's the first one you got wrong was Rosario. One, I know. Four, five, six. <laughs> For Mike playing Han Solo. And Todd beat by the ghost of Mo. Todd only had four. Ming, five. Mo, six. And Mike, eight. So, listen, Mike is our champion. That goes without saying, although I just said it. That said, uh, we are going to play the tiebreaker because it's a lot of fun. And the answer no, – I'm sorry. The, the person who's celebrating a birthday in two days – is Dennis Coles, a.k.a. Tony Starks, a.k.a. Iron Man's, a.k.a. the ghost face killer of the Wu-Tang Clan. Now, we know that Ming and Mike are well acquainted with Clifford Smith, a.k.a. the Method Man, a.k.a. Johnny Blaze, a.k.a. Ghost Rider. But how familiar are they with his clan member in the Wu-Tang Clan, the ghost face killer? I don't know. They could not be familiar the way – well. Let's get the votes in first. Is he older or younger than 48 years old? 48 for Ghostface. Oh, man. I'm going to say older. Not by a lot. I think he turns 50. Ooh, man. I'm going to go older as well. He's older than... Older than 48. Okay. He's older than 48. I'm trying to think how old they all were when we were prowling the projects of Staten Island. And around, I mean, they had to be around the same age we were at that point. Within a year or two. I'm going to go younger. Me and Pat Kawula say younger. Well, Pat says younger, then Mo says younger too. Okay, so that's two olders, two youngers. This tiebreaker is very hard. Ghostface turned 49. 49 years old. Right. So the olders take it. Ming goes up to six to pull to a tie for second place with Mo. But Mike pacing the field 
with nine points. Congratulations, Michael. Your prize is in the mail. Thank you very much. All right. Guys, we've waited long enough. We got rid of breaking news. We wanted to be able to, 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 to dedicate a time to this next segment enough that we can move into combat trivia. So we're going to get into our top three, top three Western movies. What are your top three Westerns, folks? We got a great response to this one, a really, really great response. Matter of fact, let me tally it up. We received over, well, not over. We received exactly 522 votes. Wow. You, know, you know how top three works, folks. We put it out there on Facebook. It could be on my page, on the Point Blank page, and a number of different groups, the Essential Guy Talk group, a couple of other movie buff groups. It's on Instagram. You look for it in the days leading up to the program. First of all, I got distracted. I got excited. I saw the lovely Suzanne commented with a kissy mouth in the comments. I realized it's not for me. It's for Athena Hondros who just tuned in. But uh, welcome, Athena, and uh, thanks for nothing, Susie. So um, so the top three this week that garnered a, a, a flurry of responses, 522, in fact, spanning. Let's see how many total movies that people voted for. Looks like uh, 48 different movies, 48 different movies garnered at least one vote. Before we get to you, the fans, the friends, the viewers and listeners of Point Blank, and what your choices were, let's listen to our esteemed panel. Ming Chen, your top three Westerns. All right, top three Westerns. I um, Not my favorite genre. I'm more of a sci-fi, uh, you know, comic book, uh, you know, anything but Westerns, but uh, I, I was able to pick out three that I, I really, really like. Um, coming in at number three, uh, I got to give up for Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman, Unforgiven. Uh, the, I don't know what you call it, the unwestern Western or the, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I did not see this in its original run. I saw it later on as uh, me and my wife went to a, uh, it was a WB retrospective. They were, I think they played five movies each day from each decade. Oh, wow. We, we went during '90s day, and uh, Unforgiven was uh, one of those. And uh, yeah, I was definitely blown away. So um, definitely saw why they got all the accolades they did the year that it came out. And um, uh, excellent, excellent. Not just a western, but just a great movie overall. Yeah. Um, number two, Clint Eastwood again, fistful of dollars. Um, if if nothing but the for the uh, Back to the Future two and three, the um, the pot belly stove makeshift bulletproof vest scene uh brilliant brilliant but uh, i'd always wonder where that came from in back to the future three when it got busted out and uh i, I was like wait a minute i know that scene so is, is yeah. that is that the name that marty uses too does he use it yeah yep. yeah 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 and it's like wait, 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 yeah, yeah. a pansy ass name is that? Yeah, or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Better than Calvin Klein, but still, go ahead, man. You're number one. At number one, I uh, gotta go with the uh, Magnificent Seven for sure. The original, the original, the 1960s. Uh, not the remake with with Chris Pratt. No, the uh, the 1960 uh, All Star cast: Yul Brenner, Eli Wallach, Steve McQueen, Charlie Bronson, and James Coburn, to name a few. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie. Um, I consider this uh, it's got to be like the original team up movie, right? Like the original Avengers uh, sort of in Western form. And uh, 
yeah, how do you battle an evil? Get a get a bunch of badasses together to do it. So uh, number one, definitely Magnificent Seven, and that score, uh, Elmer Bernstein, I believe. Oh wow, great call! That score, that score is amazing, instantly recognizable. So Magnificent Seven, number one pick, best western. Great call. Uh, I can tell you that all of your selections received heavy love. So great, great picks, Ming. The only bone I'll pick with you, my friend. Oh boy. Tough to call the Magnificent Seven, the original Tima movie, when it in turn itself was based on. Uh, yes, yeah, so like Akira Kurosawa. Seven Samurai, sorry. To okay. And if you think that Big Tom didn't play that one in the house all the time, you don't know anything. All right, Mike, we're going to move on to you. Your top three Westerns, my friend. All right, I'm going to just barrel through my honorable mentions because, like Ming, I was not uh, a huge or I would have said not a huge Western fan, but mm -hmm. going through my list, I'm like, God damn, I liked a lot more Westerns than I thought. Um, all right. My honorable mentions, uh, again, the magnificent seven fantastic movie, the original, not Denzel. <laughs> uh, the outlaw Josie Wales, yeah. which lets you know how serious my, th my top three must be. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and the quick and the dead, uh, Ooh. directed by Sam Raimi. Fantastic movie. Um, I love Hackman in it. Young Leo. Young Leo. Russell Crowe. And also a young Russell Crowe. Yeah. Sharon Stone. Okay, nice. And a Sharon Stone. All right, so at number coming in at number three, Tombstone. Yeah. Fantastic movie. Uh, great cast. Val Kilmer. Kurt Russell. That's all I need to say. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, Blazing Saddles. You could say Michael Bean, too. No one would get mad, but go ahead. I would, but I'm not going to. Or I could also say uh, Powers Booth. Michael Rucker, yeah, okay. Uh, Blazing Saddles. Gene Wilder and Cleavon Little. Oh, my God, great. Mel Brooks, Harvey freaking Corman. Yeah. I shouldn't have to say anything else. Uh, Slim Pickens. Yeah. I, I did have to say Slim Pickens, of course. Uh, and my number one, because of the cast. And because it was the first Western that I actually sought out, Silverado. Oh, yes. The late, great Brian Dennehy, yep. Kevin Klein, Kevin Costner, yep. Scott Glenn, uh, Danny Glover, Amanda Wiss, uh, Linda Hunt. As close to a perfect movie as you can get. Oh, yeah. Yes, my friend. Great, great, great selection. I was actually surprised. I did not think that particular film was going to do as well as it did. But, Mike, a lot of people thought like you thought as well. Gary McRae upset you didn't mention Madeline Kahn, however, during your blazing tirade. Well, yes, of course. Slim. Well, I had to, it was either Madeline or Slim Pickens, but I think I chose well. Tough to choose wrong with that movie. They're all great. All your selections were great. Todd, we're going to move on to you. Your top three Western films. My top. So it's an interesting category. My first reaction was much like Mike's. I, I said, well, shit, I don't, I don't really act, know a lot or what have watched a lot of Westerns, but uh, there was a, there was a decent pile going in there as I, as I thought a little bit more about it, but I'll have to say, so honorable mentions, I've got seven of them. <laughs> I'll, I'll bang them out quickly. They're 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 kind of grouped together. Surely the, first one, the first one 
is uh is the first west as i try to think about what westerns i have seen sadly the first that popped in my head was the bruce willis christopher walken feature last man standing anyone seen this yeah Actually, i dug that yes <laughs> yeah I can't remember anything about it other than the fact that I, I thought he was pretty cool. I like it. There's some really cool scenes in that film. Yeah. There you go. My second set of honorable mentions. This is a shout out to Big Tom Kokoza. These are all the movies that should be in my top three, but I've never seen them, and I feel bad about that. So I'm just going to give a quick shout out to Once Upon a Time in the West, The Searchers, Good, Bad, and the Ugly, and Butch Cassidy. Haven't seen any of those. I'm sad to admit it. Wow. But I have a feeling, you know, those those would be in there. So I'll, so I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, westerns. Those are some some of the ones you mentioned are some of the greatest films of all time. Exactly. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, so so I've heard. We'll, <laughs> see, we'll add that to my personal point blank picks uh, for myself. And then uh, my third honorable mention is a, is a pair of movies. This is a shout out. We'll go from Big Tom to uh, the lovely Suzanne. Uh, I'll drop it out for Young Guns One and Young Guns Two. Oh my god. So Young Guns, 1988, we're talking about Emilio Estevez, Lou Diamond Phillips, Kiefer Sutherland, Charlie Sheen, Terrence Stamp, Jack Palance, yeah. Terry O'Quinn, pre-lost. That's a murderer's row lineup right there. And then you want to come, whoops, you come back, what, two years later with, all right, we lost one of those guys. Won't say who, spoiler alert, but do the math. You've got Emilio Estevez, Lou, LDP, Kiefer Sutherland, Add Christian Slater, CSI's William Peterson, Alan Ruck, James Coburn, Vigo Mortensen in a bit part. I mean, it's like you're just killing it. And throw John Bon Jovi on top of it all. Blaze of glory. And, and I can't believe you didn't mention the cameo in the first one. Just mentioned on this very program four episodes ago, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. There you go. You're absolutely right. And uh, Blaze of Glory from Bon Jovi, it, uh, little known. I don't know if it's little known. In fact, Emilio Estevez approached him about putting Wanted, Dead or Alive, as a theme for Young Guns. He wouldn't do it, but he said, I'll tell you what, I'll do one better. I'll write an album for you and give you the, the theme song, Blaze of Glory, for Young Guns too. So honorable mention for the pair of those uh, lovely movies. Uh, and uh, my top three, we've already hit two of them. Tombstone at number three. Uh, I'm your Huckleberry. Number two, I've got Unforgiven. That uh, was, you know, just fantastic. Clint Eastwood. As I said, I don't have the the rich history of of Eastwood, Eastwood's um, spaghetti westerns, but but uh, Unforgiven in my lifetime, fantastic film. And number one, I I think I called it out as uh, the best film I saw uh, last year, which was the remake of True Grit. I'm putting that in as uh, as my favorite Western. I thought it was basically a perfect movie. It was pretty good stuff. True Grit. So what I can tell you is before we get to the fan vote, your top three has the correct three movies. You just have them in the wrong order. Um, no. I'm about to give you the, the correct order right now. Um, Thanks for that. So I'll start with my own honorable mentions. Um you know, you mentioned Clint Eastwood's uh, Spaghetti Westerns. Well, last week we had our friend Lou Bourdon very active in the comments. And most of the Spaghetti Westerns uh, with Clint, I remember watching in his basement uh, with Sean Wilson, uh, um, uh, Lou, Steve was there, Mo might have been there as well. And those are good. Those don't make my honorable mentions. My honorable mention is 
is sort of the the what I call that Big Tom trilogy of of later um, Clint Eastwood movies, and that is High Plains Drifter, Pale Rider, and The Outlaw Josie Wales. For those three, that's like a tie honorable mention. Uh, each is amazing in its own right. He's uh, equally unstoppable in each of the three, but in a different way. Um, my, and that is, those are the last, what I would call classic Westerns on my list. But the rest of my honorable mentions and my true top three are all, excuse me, modern Westerns. So my next honorable mention, and, and man, I really wanted to put this in the top three. I just couldn't fit it. It's Appaloosa. It's a, it's a more recent offering. I, mean, I want to say maybe 2014 or so. Uh, it was directed by Ed Harris. It stars Ed Harris, stars Viggo Mortensen. Uh, it's really about the power of friendship and loyalty when tested. Uh, Jeremy Irons as well. Uh, very, very, very well done film. Very, very well done. Um, strongly recommend. Uh, and my, my other honorable mention, just outside the top three, I uh, just saw it last year, a new movie, Hostiles, the most recent Western I've seen. Christian Bale is in it, our good friend of the program, and, of course, me and my personal friend, Scott Wilson, is the final film ever. And he plays a, uh, he plays a real nasty piece of work in this one. And... Um, I don't know if Mike wanted to put it on mute before that happened, but um, uh, young Kara will be happy to find out that Timothy Chalamet is in this one as well, along with uh, a number of other uh, uh, great cast. Wes Studi plays a very good role. Uh, so anyway, that's Hostiles. So now, my top three proper. And by the way, this is the only right answer for this. So coming in at number three is the remake of True Grit. Hmm. Yes, the original. Okay, with John Wayne was very, very, very good. But when you got the dude, Jeff Bridges, stepping up to the plate in the role of Rooster Cogburn, okay, a long time of previously unknown and unheralded Halle Stanfield, who soon to play Kate Bishop in the MCU as Hawkeye, too. And, of course, uh, Matt Damon doing a great job in his part. This is just an unbelievable film. Uh, I was shocked when it was made, and I was shocked at how well they did with it. So that's the number three Western of all time. The number two you mentioned, and, and everyone's gotten a lot of love for this film. Um, some people thought this was going to be number one in the fan boat, and they predicted that it would be. Uh, we'll, we'll let you know in a minute. But um, saw it in the movies, uh, probably with you, Todd. Uh, uh, got it on videotape, watched it so many times, the tape broke. And now it's in that pantheon of films. If you're scrolling through the channels at 3 a.m., and if it's on, no matter where it is, you're going to watch it through the end. That's Tombstone. Tombstone, amazing movie. I mean, we, we already talked about, uh, uh, you know, Kurt, uh, I'm sorry, um, yeah, Kurt Russell and, uh, and Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday and so many great lines there, and uh, Bill Paxton, and then um, uh, on, and, and, well, and Sam Elliott. And then on the other side of it, you've got um, – You've got Michael Rooker. Uh, you've got uh, Powers Booth. You know, you, you, you've just got an amazing, amazing cast. Great movie. And um, just so quotable. And, of course, Michael Bean's Johnny Ringo, who is uh, the reason that I, I wanted to learn Latin but still never got around to it. Okay, the number one Western of all time. Um, Ming called it, um, what do you call it, like the unwestern. You know, 
what's an anti-hero version of a movie? The anti-Western. But it is the consummate. It really, if this was the last Western ever, then the genre would have done a great job. Uh, and it really put the point on it. And it is unforgiven. Unforgiven. Um, sometimes it's a little sad, you know, if you're passing on life lessons to your kids that you learn from a movie script. But there is a line in this movie that's resonating with me through the decades. And um, it is a line that Clint says to uh, Gene Hackman. And he says, Gene Hackman, you know, is saying, I don't deserve this. And he goes, deserves got nothing to do with it. And really, that is that is life in a nutshell. And um, Morgan Freeman, you know, great job. Um, Todd earlier mentioned Terry O'Quinn. Well, you know, that wasn't the only film that he was in. And and you've got Jason Priestley. And you just got a whole bunch of great, great films. Uh, we saw this uh, in, in New York together. And then uh, later that year, uh, when we went to Italy for our exchange trip, we wound up watching it in Italy in Italian with English subtitles. So that was a little bizarre. <laughs> it's kind of a, a reverse spaghetti Western. Um, but uh, that was in Milan. So anyway, that's my number one. So that was True Grit, Tombstone, and Unforgiven. Now let's get to you. The point blank, fans, friends, viewers, and listeners, what did you guys say were the top three Westerns of all time? We received a total of 522 votes. Very, very impressive. Uh, before we get to the top three, we'll count down. Coming in at a tie in 10th place with 10 votes apiece, the movies High Noon and The Wild Bunch. Coming in at ninth place with 13 votes, Stagecoach. Coming in at eighth place with 14 votes, a tie, High Plains Drifter and Silverado, both mentioned already. Coming in at seventh place with 15 votes, standing alone, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Coming in at sixth place with 17 votes and far, far too few for my liking, True Grit 2012 version remake. Coming in at fifth place with 20 votes. The Magnificent Seven, the original. Coming in at fourth place, just outside the top three, tied with 21 votes. The Mel Brooks classic, Blazing Saddles. Yes. And the ultimate tale of revenge set in the post-Civil War era, the outlaw, Josie Wells. Those are tied with fourth place at 21 votes apiece. Now, here it is. Our top three, as decided by you, Point Blank fans, friends. Viewers and listeners, 29 votes. Good enough for third place. Unforgiven. And I'm not sure I can forgive you guys for coming in with such a poor showing for that film. Coming in at second place with 35 votes. Tombstone. That was number two, folks. So what is your number one? I can tell you it had 41 votes. Before I reveal, does anyone want to take a guess? Back to the Future 3. <laughs> Paint your wagon. <laughs> here's here's what I can tell you about Back to the Future 3. My Django. Back to the Future 3 got six legitimate votes. Six votes. Wow. Uh, I don't know what place that is. I didn't go down that far, but it did pretty well. Django and Chain got two votes. The uh, the actual winner were 41 votes. It's the three of you guys, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So there you Wait, go. What? Oh, I see. Look, P P J P J Wendell predicting that Tombstone would be victorious. I'm sorry, P J came in at, at number two. Uh, but in any event, that was top three, folks. Now 
We're going to have to make an audible here. We talked about it a few minutes ago uh, about combat trivia. Uh, I've got amazing questions that I can't wait to drop on you guys. But offline, I did get a text from Mo, and he's not going to be able to rejoin us. He's going through a bit of a family thing, so we're obviously uh, rooting for him and his family to get well, get well soon. We hope you all get well. And, uh, and it's because of that, it probably wouldn't be fair for us to go on without him. Older or younger, we can do without him. Combat trivia, where uh, I, don't, I don't think that would be the right thing to do. So why don't we get right into our parting shots? And here's how it works, folks. Anything you want to get off your chest, any topic, anything you want to promote, anything you want to talk about, now's the time. It's your last chance. Parting shot, Todd Sullivan. Well, I, I have to I have to recalibrate. My parting shot was one directed for Mo, so um, I, I'll just have to say I hope his family's well. It was it was going to be a couple of thoughts or questions for him as Mostradamus about the uh, NFL draft tomorrow. I have put out a link and a and a query to one George Setti to see if he wants to dial in and take Mo's place. If he can pull that off in the next five minutes or so, we'll uh, we'll see what he's got to say. Otherwise, I'll hand it off to the two of you guys. Oh, all right, fine. Mike, your own parting shot then. I uh, just want to say stay safe out there, folks. Um, damn, it's past my bedtime. But I was looking forward to combat trivia. Mike, oh, going to be I, joyous. I, I've got questions for you. I, uh, it, it's tough to stump you, Mike. It's tough. Uh, you can, I've been going after the, the tough ones. So, uh, <laughs> But you know what? This um, You guys were talking about being night owls before, and – before I met the lovely Julia, I was a night owl. Being in the um, the food service industry gave me no other option. So, and now staying up late with you, the wife, kids are all fast asleep. Me, not so much. Now I'm going to have to spend an hour winding down after all this. So, my Thursdays are always destroyed. Like, so, I didn't really got you that worked up we got you that excited that you can't get to sleep it's amazing and you know the whole tracy lords thing my god that's another hour and a half <laughs> oh my god so, you go down a rabbit hole tonight <laughs> no 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 i like i need to be on more fbi watch list todd thank you um and it's funny because she's 51 now so you would think but hey <laughs> um just uh be safe out there you know, uh, I love doing this every Wednesday night with you guys. It's a ton of fun. And uh, Ming's got something to say to you, too. Oh, Ming, you're a party shot, my friend. Uh, if you want to have as much fun as we did tonight, go to asharedunivers.com. Uh, we did eight podcasts today, ladies and gentlemen. So for everybody who came in today, thank you very much. Um, and, you know, we ended on point blank, though, which is great. This is the eighth and final podcast for the day unless someone books in the next hour and a half, which could happen. Uh, but it's been uh, it's been a fun day for sure. We, uh, we, we, we blaze right through those. I think everybody had a great time. And uh, yeah, asharedunivers.com. Come, come join us here. And uh, Or if you don't want all of us, you can just get me and Mike. Me and Mike will come on your podcast. Uh, you can book that up also at asharedunivers.com. This weekend, I'm doing another virtual convention. It's called the Mainframe Comic Con. Uh, gentlemen, get a load of this guest list. Besides me, uh, you have you. If you tune in this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, you can also see panels with Kevin Smith, Clark Gregg, Natalie Emanuel, Seth Green, Ralph Garman, 
uh, Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall, Bruce McCullough from Kids in the Hall, uh, Joe Hill, and uh, Lloyd Kaufman, Brian O'Halloran, Marilyn Gigliotti, and I, I, I don't know how they got Chuck Polnick from Fight Club, the writer of Fight Club. <laughs> how, does he, how does he fit into this? <laughs> uh, pop culture. Uh, wow. uh, Donny Cates, very, uh, our friend Donny Cates, the uh, very prolific comic book writer. Claudia Wells, who played Jennifer Parker in Back to the Future. And just announced uh, David Harbour himself has joined into the party here. So they, I got an email today like, hey, can we cut your panel down by 10 minutes? We need the time for David Harbour. And I wanted to raise a stink. I wanted to complain. And then I remembered I am, I am not in a Marvel movie yet. So David Harbour, uh, the Red Guardian himself. Yes, I'll defer to David Harbour and give him an extra 10 minutes. So. And many know him as Hopper or, of course, uh, Hellboy. But, Todd, are you ready to do your parting shot or have you recalibrated? I already did. I, I think you said you wanted to recalibrate because most oh, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. All right. I'm, I'm literally texting with George, trying to get him to dial in. He says, first of all, he was brushing his teeth, so he missed my first text. Then I said, <laughs> I, I gave him the link. He says he's in a dark room in bed. So I, I don't know what that means. Listen, listen uh, now he can't say he hasn't been offered a time on the show. All right, listen. My well, own, well, we'll get him in another another three months. My own parting shot before we move on. Um, I mentioned that there's a, there's a project going on right now. A project where breweries across the country are uniting to brew the same exact beer. And the beer is called All Together. And uh, there's a multiple different versions of the recipe. It's an IPA. You can do it as a West Coast uh, classic IPA. You can do it as a as a any IPA, a hazier, juicier version. Uh, and over 150 breweries have participated so far with the idea to help those who are out of work right now in the hospitality industry. So whether it's restaurant workers, bar workers, even brewery taproom workers, because brewery operations could still be going on, but of course all the tap rooms are closed as well. So um, after uh, talking to a few friends uh, in the industry, uh, I can tell you that Ross Brewing is now the latest brewery to uh, be participating in the project. Uh, our our all-together beer uh, should be ready to be released in about four weeks, uh, allowing some time for fermentation. Uh, we're, we have a kick-ass label, um, and basically the project, it was open source. So um, the recipe was provided, the core recipe, by other half brewing in Brooklyn. They're one of the best in the business. And then each brewery is taking that recipe and maybe putting a little bit of a spin on it. And then the label art as well is kind of a unique concept. The front of it is identical for everybody. It's the same silver altogether. The brewery's branding, nowhere to be seen on it. And then, of course, on the back side, you would have your own take on, uh, on what you're going to be doing for these hospitality workers. So uh, look for ours in the coming weeks. Uh, it will be available for sale in New York. And they're perfect. Thank you, Ming, for bringing that up. Um, and so, uh, get that outside of New York in, in any capacity. There, there's a few capacities. And as we get closer, I can tell you exactly how. But what I would suggest you do while you're waiting for Ross Brewing's take on it 
is go ahead and look at breweries near you. So you're out in Chicago. We've got I've already uh, identified three that have it. I need to Michigan. You know, we've got uh we've got a number of breweries right here in New Jersey that are participating. I've already had three different versions of them, and it's kind of fun to compare, you know, the slight differences that each one is putting on it. But um, but uh so ours is coming. And uh, and what we're going to be doing is while we're waiting for that beer to ferment and go to go for sale in the next four weeks, uh, we're going to be sorting through a few of the uh, charities specifically focused on these individuals so we can decide which of those or maybe which of multiple of those will be donating our portion of the proceeds to. And what I would say is if anyone has any suggestions there of a particular particular one you know, for these hospitality workers, by all means, share it with us at point blank at rossbrewing.com, point blank at rossbrewing.com. And that's the address as well, point blank at rossbrewing.com, where you can send mail for mail call. I teased earlier that we had received uh, more mails based off the last two weeks' episodes than we had received in the previous 10 episodes. So um, I was going to get to that, but I, I feel like we're being invaded right now. Ming, tell, talk to me about what's going on. Uh, yes. Um, are you there, mystery caller? What's going on? I'm in bed, guys. And uh, you better turn that camera on, buddy. Lord, get down here. The bar's on fire. This is, <laughs> this is beautiful. I'm over here all set for for the sleepy time, and I got the boys on the line. George, you got to turn on your camera. George, it's like it's a slumber party, buddy. Wait, wait, where's the how do I turn the camera on? I'm not used to this. There's oh a thing God. on the bottom that says start camera. Oh, my oh hold on. I got to put my glasses on. Oh, my God. <laughs> start pressing buttons, George. Put some pants on, too, buddy. Completely unexpected, completely unplanned. Hey, uh, John, one, one last thing before we get Gio on there. Yeah. Um, turn on a light. He's there. You yeah, can see his like, glasses. You can see the sheen off his glasses. All I can see is his uh, oh, oh, my there. God. This Look at that. One. This is like one of my nightmares I've had been recurring. <laughs> Oh, hold on one second, Gio. Right, go ahead. What were you gonna say? Oh, uh, we gotta to turn on a light. Hold on, Gio. Go ahead and turn on a light, Gio. Uh, Ming right, Ming's actually running on Sunday. It's uh, Save the Saint. Oh, the podcast, Ming, right? Oh no, we're we're pushing that back to the May third. It's uh, it's gonna be next 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 Saturday night, I think. Well, there he is. Oh, there there, there he is. Ah, how about this? I'll sit in the bathroom for you. Fantastic. Oh, I'm are, I'm are excited. Your pants down right now? Gary, no, pants Gary, aren't down. I got the Duke hat on. Gary McRae saying Geo in the house. Stu Greenberg, that is oh, terrible. this is beautiful. I'm so excited. How you doing, guys? All right, George. We're literally in the la in our goodbyes. We're in the last five I minutes of the program. Happy to see you on, on right now. And here's what we need from you very quickly. We had a planned segment with, with the one and only, the world-famous Mostradamus, to give us predictions on tomorrow night's NFL draft. Failing him, we're coming to you. That's our, our second choice with respect to NFL predictions. I've got, a, I've got five questions for you very briefly because we're capping two hours as I speak. Very briefly, I need your answers to the next five questions. You ready? All right, lay it on me. I mean, I'm, I'm not in draft mode till tomorrow morning, but yeah, I got, I got enough information. Speaking of, this is a, an article from Mark Canizaro from the New York Post putting out NFL draft predictions. Speaking quickly from our two uh, New York-based uh, programs, 
Number one, the, the true or false, the NFL, the Jets will draft a receiver, not a left tackle in the first round. What do you? What say you? Uh, false. False. Where Where are you going with? I'm going with a left tackle. Left tackle. All right. Very good. Any Any. By default in that setup, but go ahead. All right, let's talk about the Giants now. Is is prediction on the Giants? The Giants trade out of the number four overall spot to gain more picks. What say you? No, they will save it. They need that number four pick for defense. Who are they taking? If he's available, they're going to take Young from uh, Ohio State. Not a chance. What else you got? <laughs> uh, the linebacker. There's a linebacker. Hold on, I'm thinking. Well, will he will he be available at number twenty two? That's what I need to know. Yeah, okay. Isaiah Simmons. Giants are going to draft in the first. They may even trade up to get a second pick in the first round. Trade up in the sec to the second pick. Not a chance. All right. So Isaiah Simmons is who you're going with from Clemson. That's who I thought about. Sure. All right. Uh, number number three, Tuo Tagovailoa will be the biggest name that falls down the draft board. Saying that due to his uh, his recent injuries, he's going to fall down the draft board. Where do you see him going? Multiple injuries. Nah, two has got too much Alabama pedigree. I think he's going in the top ten. Okay, to whom? Uh, maybe the Miami Dolphins. Interesting. All right. Well, that leads us into the next the next question. The Dolphin or the next uh, radical prediction: The Dolphins will not draft a quarterback with the fifth overall pick. He sees him going offensive tackle. What say you? I think the Dolphins are going with a quarterback. They need to, they need to regenerate. They need to, they need to, a spark to the organization. They need a QB. All right, which one? Uh, it may be Tua. Maybe Tua. All right. And last question: We've got the Chargers, the other team in desperately in need of a quarterback. Radical uh, prediction here: Chargers do not take a quarterback in the first round. The Jaguars see Herbert fall in their lap. What do you say? Uh, yeah, I think the Chargers are going to go free agency. I don't think they're going to draft play a quarterback. They're going to get a quarterback very late first or early second. All right, I love it. All right, really quickly, what's your take on who's going to wear the flashiest suit in the first round, an offensive player or a defensive player? Flashiest suit is always going to be an offensive player. It's going to be a wide receiver with earrings. Not an offensive lineman from Wisconsin. You're saying wide receiver. Absolutely. (laughs) By the way, Nick Nick Franco chiming in. He wants to know if George is wearing a Blue Devils hat. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I am. He is indeed. Because I came out of bed and my hair was a wreck. I need a a shaved head like Mo. So I put on my two Blue Devils hat on. That'll clean you up. All right, last question. What do you? What are your How thoughts many on? Last questions are there, Mike? I mean, come on. What are your thoughts on A. Rod and J. Lo uh, buying the Mets? Do you think that's going to happen? What say you? I, I absolutely love it. Uh, the fact that uh, Jeter and A. Rod are going to be team owners—beautiful thing for for Major League Baseball and to, to get into the 2020s. I love it, George. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I, 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 do you have any parting shots of your? Oh, Jesus! Here you go. <laughs> Put that hat back on. <laughs> live parting shots, guys. Social distancing, social distancing, social distancing. Let's get out of this pandemic. I'm going crazy. I need to be out there. We gotta, we gotta be part of the sports world, and hopefully, we can wake up soon, and this whole thing will be over. I gotta be on next week or the week after. 
Sure. sure. Well, you're on this week, so we'll give it a couple months. Yeah. And by the way, I'm on the toy with the drone. My pants are on down. Look. What the heck? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost all control of the podcast, folks. But um, well, I, I, I love you guys. Listen, I want to thank Ming and Mike for, for being the consummate host, as always. Mo, we want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, obviously, uh, you're in a different locale. You're taking care of some family stuff right now. We're wishing all the best to you and your family. Thank you, Mo. Uh, Todd, thanks for not shaving uh, since the quarantine has started. And Gio, George, Giorgio Setti, thanks for the last minute filling, my friend. We really appreciate it. And to your point, you are correct. We have to get you on in a full guest capacity. Thank you. I got out of bed for you guys tonight. Uh, and that's that's and that's saying something. Uh, but of course, but most of the thanks are going to be reserved for you, the point blank friends, fans, viewers, and listeners. Thanks for making this so much fun for us to do week in and week out. We really would we wouldn't be doing this if it weren't for you guys. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Bruce, take us out of here. Well, I shot you point blank. You've been shot in the back.